welcome to episode two of the Mission License Podcast. My name is Josie Beats. And I'm Libby Jamison. And we are co-founders of uh, Mission License, an organization, an endeavor, a wing and a prayer, <laughs> <laughs> helping people figure out their licensing mobility issues, uh, particularly military spouses, um, as that's where we began. Um, as I said, this is our second episode. We're excited to have you back. We're excited today to talk about a little bit of news and then to learn more about how Libby was a young licensing nerd way back when. Um, so thank you for joining us. We are reporting from uh, D.C. together for this bicoastal team, which is really exciting, I think, and, and ending a week of events around military spouse um, recognition and employment in particular, the announcement on Wednesday night of this week of Miss Libby Jamison, the 2019 Military.com Spouse Changemaker Award. Congratulations, Libby. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited to be changemaker adjacent. Yes, I, um, all fan mail can be addressed to the, the changemaker <laughs> of the year. Yes. <laughs> but this is a really exciting um, win for you, for me. Um, <laughs> Because it's really recognition of all the amazing work that you've been doing. So it was really great to see you recognized to this, this new award that's really taken into account what people are doing in, in the space, um, not just for military spouses, but for our whole community. So, Yeah, well, I think it's fantastic that uh, spouse employment was recognized uh, this first year of the award. So one of my fellow nominees uh, is the incredible Herrick Ross, who really champions veteran and military spouse hiring with Starbucks. Um, so two out of the three finalists were focused on spouse employment issues, which is exciting to see. Obviously, we we love seeing that have a platform. Well, and for us at Mission License, you know, employment and being able to work regardless of where you are is one of the most important things. It's the reason we stood up our organization. So even more um, important for us here. So let's talk about a little news. It's, it's been a crazy week in the licensing world, which I think means I officially am like a different level of nerd now, just to say that out loud. Um, we've got the PCS Act that was introduced in Congress by Senators Tom Cotton and Gene Shaheen um, that's really fo- trying to focus on military spouse licensing, which seems pretty on point for us. Um, what do you think, Libby? Right. I mean, rolled out very well over uh, just in time for Military Spouse Appreciation Day on May 10th. So um, a perfect time to, again, highlight the spouse unemployment issues. Um, But yeah, I think we're both really excited about this because it it kind of addresses in two parts um, different ways to tackle some of these licensing issues. Well, and it was exciting to see folks like our street really grab onto the issue. Um, Give a little shout out. (laughs) Shout out. Um, And they talked to our friend Kim Lopez um, in the the Wall Street Journal story that they did. Um, Kim is a teacher who we met when they were stationed here in D.C., but now they, she and her active duty husband are in Utah. Is that right? Yes. And so she really led the charge in Utah to change some rules there so that people like her could continue to teach. Right. Um, some leadership that we need at the national level. And so hopefully Kim will uh, 
fix 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 it for other states as well. <laughs> fix it for everyone, Kim. <laughs> this is this is the military spouse model. <laughs> yes, we gotta fix it ourselves. Um, but no, it's very exciting. Loved the Wall Street Journal article. Would highly suggest checking that out um, if you get a chance. Google that, um, and it tells Kim's story really well. And I think talks about something Josie and I were talking about with the PCS Act, which funds interstate compacts to work on licensing issues aimed at military spouses. But like we talk about so often, a lot of these solutions, once they're in place, can be applied much more broadly. So that's really exciting. Right. And, you know, inter- the interstate compact model is has been successful. You know, we know for the nurses, um, there's an interstate compact that applies to nursing that is very effective at helping people stay employed as they move from place to place. Um, interstate compacts, however, don't fix the underlying issue, right, that maybe we have some occupations that shouldn't be licensed. And so it's really just the beginning of the conversation, I hope. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot about how military spouse licensing is just the tip of the occupational licensing iceberg problem. And with the same way, the interstate compact can only should only be like the beginning of this conversation, right. not, not the end solution. And so it's exciting to see that there's focus. Uh, usually what we get when we talk to people at the federal level is, oh, we can't fix this. It's a state problem. Um, and they're really leading from the front by providing some funding to get some real work done here. Right. Pulling the purse strings, uh, which is where a lot of the federal leverage comes from. So um, we wholly support that leveraging (laughs) of the power of the purse um, on this issue. So kudos to the PCS Act, which now I'm trying to remember what it actually stands for because it took me a while to realize that it was cleverly crafted to come out as the PCS Act. Yeah, I feel like there's a whole industry of like staff people in Washington who come up with really pithy um, acronyms. Oh, I think it's Portable Career Something Act. We really should know this. But PCS, for those who do not speak military, is permanent change of station. So that's what orders a service member receives to relocate to an entirely different state and pick up everything, um, including their family, and go along with that. So we love whoever did that. Kudos. Very well done. Huge fans. Huge fans of mission license. Also, PCS, one of my favorite military acronyms, permanent change of station. It is never permanent. Right. Never, ever, 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 ever. (laughs) Okay. So um, next on my news list, Libby, I want you to give us an update on the Washington military spouse attorney licensing accommodation working through the courts there. Yes. So Washington, the Washington Supreme Court has had open for comments since January. They have a very long comment period. Usually we see like a 30 day comment Mm -hmm. period. This opened at the beginning of January, just closed April 30th. They are considering a licensing accommodation and a true pathway to admission um, for military spouse attorneys who find themselves in the state. So very exciting. Um, I think the model rule put forth by Military Spouse JD Network looks like it's going to uh, move forward um, almost entirely intact, which is exciting. So now we wait for the court to act. And those of you who've been around know that that happens in the court's own time. So 
no um, solid time timeline on that, but we'll definitely be watching and waiting. Well, and excellent work. Kudos to you for really pushing that through and continuing the conversation in the face of some, uh, I don't want to say opposition, but just maybe obstinance. Uh. <laughs> right. We've been talking to Washington State about this for a long time, and they are so liberal in their other ways to become licensed, um, including non-attorneys who can be licensed in limited capacities. So um, it was a little frustrating that it took this long to get around to military spouses. They'll be probably number 38 when it comes to jurisdictions with a military spouse attorney rule, um, but we will welcome them. Yeah. As long as you're before 50, it's all good. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> now we're in the in the peer pressure um, right. number where I mean we got thirty eight. Where what's what's wrong with the twelve? Right. Come on, what's going on, guys? Right. Get, call me Montana. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so the the last news update I wanted to give is uh, to talk about some work that we've been doing with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundations hiring our heroes program. They have stood up a military spouse employment working group that's working on a couple of different issues, including entrepreneurship, or 21st century careers. And one of the things that I've been working on um, alongside the, the current president of the Military Spouse JD Network is licensing and credentialing. Um, we're really excited. We've been working with a small group of dedicated folks from government, from nonprofits, on what are the recommendations that we would make to really change the conversation about licensing for military spouses. What are the solutions we can come up with? Um, of course, the PCS Act is, is one of those um, solutions, but really the recommendations run the gamut. So it's, we want the federal government to use the power of the purse to make sure that the contracts that they have with folks, especially DOD contractors, take into account the portability of a military spouse license. Um, we also talk about, uh, one of our recommendations is about federal employment and how we can expand that for military spouses. There are some really incredible resources for military spouses looking to serve in federal service, um, direct hire authorities, um, things like that, but they're just underutilized because nobody knows they exist. And the military spouses know they exist, but if the hiring manager doesn't know they exist, then they don't really exist. So um, we're really excited about that and hoping in the next couple of weeks that those recommendations and the rest of the HOH uh, report and recommendations are gonna be out and we can share it with folks. Um, it's been really fun to work on this issue because I'm a nerd. Um, but we've got a really good team and have come up with some really interesting ways of talking about the issue that I'm looking forward to sharing with everyone. Yeah, I think it's a great example of, you know, you have folks from Department of Labor, you have the nonprofits, um, so you have the businesses, so everyone coming around the table and trying to push that issue forward. But you were telling a story earlier um, about a military spouse healthcare provider mm -hmm. and trying to provide um, services like telehealth services which I thought was really interesting. Do you want to share her story? Yes, absolutely. And, and we'll link to this in our, in our episode summary along with a copy of the PCS Act so you all can take a look at it. Corey Weathers is a phenomenal military spouse um, that we've known of for years. Um, she is 
I, I think she's an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker um, or a counselor, and I apologize to Corey if I'm getting that wrong. Um, but she has the same licensing issues that many of us have, right, that prevent her from offering her services and helping her community in the ways that are that fully realize her potential. And she, um, TRICARE, which is the insurance that we military folk have um, on the civilian side, or those of us who aren't active duty, um, they finally approved telehealth. And so she was, she was excited because she's in South Carolina, but she doesn't have a South Carolina license, but she has a Virginia license. And if they have telehealth, that means that she can offer her services in Virginia through the telehealth. This is perfect. And her video that she posted on Facebook sort of chronicles her struggle over months and months and months and months to try and get through, try and get through TRICARE's bureaucracy and try and get through to people at TRICARE to say, you know, I know my address says I'm here, but you offer telehealth, I can offer services over here. And it's funny, it's pithy. Um, for someone like me who's navigated these licensing issues, it's slightly depressing, <laughs> only because it was very familiar. Um, and so Corey is able to bring her story to really help us on the working group, um, you know, bring these issues, you give them a personal voice. Um, and so uh, it's exciting to have her input, um, along with the input of, of a lot of military spouses who've shared their story with us over the, over the years. Um, Corey's is just one that really kind of went viral within our military spouse community and actually made it to the Department of Labor to the point where they called her and they wanted her help. And so, so I'm hoping that we can get a, an update from Corey about, you know, maybe her bureaucracy nightmare has been solved because that would be amazing. Um, but more to come on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a VA has been getting creative in that regard with, uh, with telehealth providers and crossing lines and, you know, a veteran may be closer to a VA medical center that is across the state border, um, but can be provided telehealth services um, more conveniently. And so that's another place where the federal government can step in and make a difference when it comes to setting their own guidelines for providers. So um, more to come on that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and hear about Libby's licensing journey as a young entrepreneur. I'm excited <laughs> about this. All right. Libby. Libby. Yes. After our first episode, we wrapped, right? And then I, of course, called you, and we went like, and I said, I think, oh, my God, we did our first episode. <laughs> And then you mentioned to me the story behind your Twitter handle. And I was very angry with you because you did not share this on the podcast. But then I was very happy with you because it meant we had some content for the next podcast. So would you please tell us about Libby's Lemonade? Yes. So for those of you who do follow me on Twitter, which I'm sure is everyone. And after this episode, it will definitely, definitely. be everyone. Um, but I'm at Libby's Lemonade. And that stems from this... It's going to be a detailed story, so buckle in, folks. But um, my dad was in the Navy. I'm a Navy brat and a Navy spouse. Um, but he left the Navy and decided, I'm going to escape civilization. So packed up the family. We moved 
literally to the boonies of Washington State. Um, you cannot drive to Stahican, Washington, which is where I grew up um, in large part. I attended a one-room schoolhouse. You can only get there by boat um, or by plane, or if you're very ambitious, by hiking. So just setting the scenery for where I spent my summers growing up. Um, we did get a lot of tourism. Um, there's a very lovely waterfall and an apple orchard, and it is a beautiful setting in a national park. So we got a lot of um, tourists. So 11-year-old Libby, um, Liz at the time, decided I'm going to exercise my entrepreneurial muscles and make some money. So I opened, um, at first it was just a table, and I had lemonade for the very thirsty tourists biking by on a hot summer day. And, um, you know, 25 cents a cup, I was raking it in, and 11-year-old Libby was very, very happy with, with that, um, you know, $50 or whatever I made that summer. Um, but somehow the county health uh, code folks got wind of Libby's Lemonade. I did have a sign, so I felt very official. Um, but I have no, to this day, I still don't know how. I mean, clearly, first of all, let's just say it, haters going to hate. Second <laughs> of all, you were so successful. So successful. So yeah. successful that the county needed a way to capitalize on this. Yeah, success. so they swooped in. I think by this point, I was probably in my second summer. And um, I, I mean, I was, I'm going to say it, I was a cute little kid. And... <laughs> I was semi-famous, and uh, we would go down Lake because you had to go down Lake to actually go to a grocery store um, and rejoin civilization. So we would take a four-hour boat ride down Lake sometimes, and people would come up to me in the street and say, you're Libby of Libby's Lemonade. Like, it was a celebrity thing. Um, amazing. I was a central Washington celebrity. I'm just going to say it. But um, so they got wind of it came out and told my dad that I was going to have to be permitted. And um, my dad didn't take that too well. I didn't take that too well. Um, but so I had to go down and sit in the class with the Costco ladies and everyone else and get my food handler's permit to essentially fill a five-gallon jug with water and add some country thyme lemonade mix, <laughs> which is also part of the story, you know. It's not like hand-squeezed lemonade. <laughs> but I gave a discount. So, you know, it was country time lemonade mix and water is what was being sold. That's amazing. Um, no food, literally water and some sugar. Um, but so I had to go sit through the food handler's class, um, pay some atrocious, you know, amount in registration fees, and then... I was not allowed to, I had to, um, they required, the county required me to make my lemonade in a approved kitchen. So that's why I laid the setting for this remote town that we grew up in, because there's not a lot of... Like a commercial like kitchen? Yes, a commercial, oh like, health code, up to health code, you know, everything is, is up to speed um, kind of kitchen. So God bless my dad love him but I think at this point he just wanted to prove a point to the county 
Um, I'm not going to say, you know, the words that were used um, to, to describe the county's interference at that point, but my dad would drive me every day through these winding back roads about was it like two miles down to the landing where the boat came in and there was like the commercial kitchen in town. Thank goodness there even was one. Um, and so I had to go down every day and make my lemonade. So, um, you know, I had to pass along the the increased cost to my customers. So <laughs> I think the price went up to 50 cents a cup. Wow, um, doubled in price. At that point, I had small, medium, and large. So you can mm. even decide, you know, there was a whole, like, pre-Starbucks uh, uh, system in place <laughs> for what size lemonade you wanted. So that really on uh, really early on taught me... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the most polite way to say it, but <laughs> Just a very it. hardcore lesson in how far the government can interfere in uh, in your daily business. So there's, there's two things I love about that story. One, and their mission license was born. Right. Right. <laughs> and two, I can just, I feel like our dads would have had a lot in common. Um, I feel like I spent a lot, my dad spent a lot of time doing things to spite people <laughs> um, and to prove government wrong, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so I love that story only because it's the quintessential licensing story right yeah and we heard i think it was last summer there was a whole trend of stories about lemonade stands being shut down for the same exact reasons and you were like the trailblazer here. well now so uh well first i'll say um libby's lemonade continued for four more summers Um, my dad purchased a gazebo at one point so i went from a table to a full-on gazebo (laughs) i mean it was like a prime like i said north central washington celebrity um, it became a thing. And when I decided to um, uh, shut up shop and move on to uh, employment with somebody else, um, my brother ran it as Peter's Pit Stop for several years <laughs> successfully. So it lived on for a while. The gazebo is still at my parents' house there. Whenever I go home, it's very fond memories of sitting out in the sun and waiting for folks to stop by for lemonade. But to your point about the stories, I we, I did see a bunch of stories. I was like, I can't believe this is still happening. But of course it is. Um, but now some cities um, have specifically exempted lemonade stands from health codes so that those kids don't have to go through the exact same thing. But the that we're at the point where we actually have to go through and exempt lemonade stands. <laughs> I mean, America, Look, come it's on. It's a common sense accommodation. Right. Right? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad that you've continued um, your licensing advocacy from the lemonade stand empire that you built right. to now occupational licensing um, this far down the road. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. <laughs>